Welcome to You Talks, brought to you by State of You. Hey guys, welcome back to a new episode of Youth Talks, State of Youth's very own podcast. Here today we're speaking to Autumn Peltier, who has been nominated for the International Children's Peace Prize. Today we're going to be speaking about Indigenous rights and her journey to activism. So hi Autumn, how are you today? I'm good. Good. So first of all, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, maybe about your journey to activism? For sure. Well, Bojo um, my name is Autumn Pelche. I'm currently 17 years old. Um, I'm from Wicomacong on Manitoulin Island, and I'm a, I'm the Chief Water Commissioner for Anishinaabek Nation, and I'm an ind- Indigenous rights activist and a water activist. Amazing. So, how did you get to where you are today? What made you start your journey? Well, being born Indigenous and kind of growing up in, a, in an Indigenous household. I was already kind of like exposed to our culture and our teachings and ceremonies and kind of just already being around, you know, like knowing who I am and learning about that type of stuff. But I also had mentors in my life, like my grandfather, my mother, and my Auntie Josephine, who are very into our culture and our teachings. And so, again, I had that exposure of just knowing who I am and knowing where I come from and having that like respect and knowledge about the land and the water. And so, with already with that understanding and indigenous perspe- indigenous perspective, um, my auntie Josephine started to like teach me about the importance of water mm-hmm. and how being born a woman, we're automatically given the responsibility to care and protect the water because we're we carry water, we're life givers, we have the ability to give life, so we have that like responsibility to care for the water. And then on top of that, being born in Anishinaabe, that's how you say like a First Nations person in Canada, well where I come from. And being born in Anishinaabe, we're automatically given the right and responsibility to protect the land and the animals and kind of everything that surrounds that area. So again, having the indigenous perspective was um, an understanding and my auntie Josephine kind of doing the work before me, like paved that pathway for me, so I'm following in her footsteps. Amazing. And was there any moment specifically that really stands out to you that made you think, okay, now I need to do something to make a change? Yeah, well, again, you know, just having that indigenous perspective and knowledge um, I was eight years old and I was attending a water ceremony in a First Nations community that was about an hour and a half from mine. And at that time, I had to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went to go wash my hands after using the bathroom, um, on the mirrors there was signs that said, not for consumption, do not drink the water, boil water advisory. Mm-hmm. Eight years old, I have no idea what this yeah. means. And so I, I kind of go ask my mom, I'm like, mom, why can't I drink the water? Why, why can't I wash my hands? What's, what does this mean? What is the boil water advisory? Well, she told me that this community hasn't been able to drink their water for 30 years. Of course, still, I, don't, I really don't understand what any of this means. Yeah. So later that night, I go home and I'm kind of researching and like looking at YouTube videos about, you know, like Chiefs talking, the Assembly First Nations Canada, and like just kind of general videos about boil water advisories. And for some reason in that moment, for me, it was... Like, wow, these kids are my age, some younger. They have no idea what it's like to go to their water, to, to the tap in their home, turn on the tap and just drink it. They have no idea what it's like. They've never experienced that. And so in that moment, it was kind of like, you like, you can do something about this. And yeah. I, I, I don't know why eight years old, I wanted to change something and do something about it, but I did, so. That's amazing. That's amazing. And what was your first step? What was the first thing that you did? Um, it was actually public speaking in my school. Because um, my, yeah, at my school, I lived on an Indian reservation at the mm-hmm. time, and our school is very, um, we're very passionate about, you know, like kind of 
um, resiliency, bringing back our language, bringing back, our, bringing back our culture. And so at the time, we had a native language speaking contest. Mm -hmm. And that meant that we had to write a speech in our language about like what was most important to us. And I wrote mine about the water and the land and why we need to protect it. And so I did that for three years and I would like win the little contest yeah. talking about this stuff. And so I was then recognized by like, um, her name's Bernadette Shawanda. And she invited me to go speak at the Children's Climate Conference in 2015 in Soto Sweden. Mm -hmm. And so that was my very first time ever speaking about like water and like indigenous things on a, like a platform like that. So that's kind of where I got started. Amazing. Okay, so as you've told us, you started your activism in the right to clean water and issues surrounding that. But what are the other issues that you hope to branch out to in the future? Well, I started off learning about the importance of water. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like my knowledge was only really there at the time and kind of as I got older and started to learn more about like indigenous history and the government and like just Canada as a whole I started to learn that Canada and indigenous people have a very dark history mm -hmm. and I started to see the impacts of that still in like our you know in modern day and so you know that's when my knowledge about indigenous like discrimination racism kind of deepened and that's kind of when my advocacy kind of opened up to indigenous rights because, you know, I now talk about missing and murdered indigenous women, racism and discrimination, indigenous stereotypes, and of course, clean drinking water. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, yeah. yeah. And we have listeners from all over the world who listen to our podcast. So what are some things that you would like other people to know about indigenous communities in Canada for those who aren't aware already? Well, the main part of the work that I do and what I talk about is kind of uplifting indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of uh, making indigenous issues in Canada about the conversation because in Canada, a country that we originate from, we're at the very bottom of everybody here, and we're looked at as we're looked at as like nothing, mm -hmm. and that's been a a thing that has started because you know residential schools, Indian residential schools in Canada, in North America, were you know a very very big part of the dark history, mm -hmm. and you see the in, you see the impacts of um, Indian residential school. Um, still to this day and my mother my grandfather and my grandmother all went to residential school and so of course I I you know I see the impacts and I feel the impacts of Indian residential school and so that's where all of this comes from because all of these issues even including the water like the drinking water issues it all comes from racism and discrimination how indigenous people were um, treated less than and we're still treated less than but that's that's where that comes from all these issues and over your almost 10 years of activism that's a very long time and you're so young so that's incredible but what has been your biggest challenge would you say i think my biggest challenge would have been the courage that i have right now um like get, like i guess getting the courage that i have right now to um do my work mm -hmm. and you, you know use my voice mm -hmm. because you know starting young and especially being a young indigenous girl it was you know hard and like the stuff that i'm talking about it's it's politics, politicians, and so being in that space and being the only young indigenous female was hard, mm. you know, and you know, the stereotypes and the racism and discrimination also make it hard at the same time. And I think another hard part about it was being young and go having to go to school and having to face, you know, other young people. And, you know, not everybody understands where you're coming from, you know, and I think bullying was the hardest part for me growing up, you know, being someone who was in school at the same mm -hmm. time because school was very hard for me doing this. And, yeah. you know, these are things that you wouldn't generally think that people would like, you know, kind of bully you for, or make fun of you or bring you down for, but you know what happens? It doesn't matter what you do. Everybody that's in the public eye, who's a public figure is gonna have people like that. But it's about learning, you know, learning to like only be careful what you put your energy into. And that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, being like 
17 years old now turning 18 you know I've I've kind of been through it all I guess so yeah. you know I'm, I'm at a point where I feel like I have the most courage that I've ever had before that's amazing that's incredible yeah yeah and how does it feel when you stand in these rooms full of people full of adults and you're probably the youngest person there mm -hmm. and you're asking them to help you make a change how does that feel well it's it's probably one of the best feelings that I've ever felt in my life because, you know, growing up being an indigenous girl and facing, you know, racism and discrimination firsthand every day on my day-to-day -day, day -day basis, you know, I, I very much understand where it comes when indigenous people being looked down on. I've, I mean, I've, I face it firsthand and I know, how, I know how that feels. I know how everybody else feels. So being able to kind of go against negative stereotypes that we have you know, stand up for my people and help my people kind of like also feel that same pride within themselves. And being able to bring that message to such a large platform is honestly the best feeling because um, like I mentioned before, indigenous, indigenous, in, indigenous issues in Canada are swept under, swept under the carpet, not mm -hmm. paid attention to because we're looked at as less than in Canada. Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of bring forth that message to a large stage and make change and change the narratives, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say has been your proudest achievement so far? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the same thing. Being able to make change, especially being a young Indigenous girl, mm -hmm. it's it's honestly amazing for me to know that I've made it that far because yeah. it's hard. It's very hard, especially in the world and society that we're living in. It's very hard to do something like that, and especially being you know just of color in general. It's I'm sure a lot of people understand where I'm coming from and so just you know b being able to see how far my message has come and how many people I've helped um, find pride within themselves mm -hmm. because I was at a point in my life where I was ashamed to be indigenous mm -hmm. because we live in a society again where we're you know we're looked at as less than so it's there's a point and I'm sure every indigenous person's life where you feel like you're less than but I've come to the point where I've overcome that and I've helped other people overcome that so very amazing. proud of that yeah that is amazing <laughs> yeah. that is something to be very proud mm -hmm. of and what is the response of other people around you? For example, young children or um, yeah, people that you maybe meet in the street, what is their response to you as well? Well, again, that's probably one of my favorite parts is being able to see the young people that I inspire, whether that's indigenous and non-indigenous, because this message is for everyone as I talk about water as well and water is a basic human right. And I always you know, say, and I like to believe that water you know, um, no matter how rich or poor we are, no matter what the color of our skin is, we all deserve clean drinking water. It doesn't matter where we come from. And so this message is for everybody. Um, and yeah, being able to know that I'm inspiring young kids to use their voices, especially young kids that are indigenous, is another great feeling for me. And one thing that actually helps me keep going on a day-to-day -day basis is knowing that young kids look up to me mm -hmm. because there was a point where in my, in like, my small career where I had to think to myself, well, what kind of role model, role model are you going to be if you give up and let people get to you? And, you know, just kind of like stop what you're doing because there was a point where I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But again, I had to like think to myself, like, what kind of role model are you going to be for the six-year-olds that are looking yeah. up to you and like you're their role model, so. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And what would your message be to the people who are listening to the podcast now? They all look up to you and admire you so much in all the work that you've done. So what would your message be to them? My, my message would probably be that we need to encourage the young people and the young generations because one thing that I've learned throughout my like my work and my career learn, like learning and seeing all these different things is that young people have such a strong and powerful voice mm -hmm. 
And when the message is coming from a young person, it's so like it's so important and powerful because you generally wouldn't think a young person is going to talk about like p political or world issues. And like that's kind of that's kind of when you know something's wrong, something mm -hmm. has to be done because we shouldn't have to speak up about these mm -hmm. issues. We shouldn't have we should just be like you know ha like enjoying our our youth our youthful years and yeah. just enjoying ourselves. But no, we're talking about these political issues, and that's when you know something's wrong. And I just I just find it so much more powerful when it comes from a young person. So empowering the youth and empowering the young generations. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. And what would you say to the world leaders around the world who? are still yet to listen to the young people of the world? Well, kind of the same exact message, mm -hmm. you know, um, include the young generations and like listen to what we have to say because even though we're young and, you know, we have we have some pretty good things to say. Mm -hmm. We have some pretty important things we need to say. And yeah, it's, it's really just listening to the youth and including the youth and, you know, just kind of creating that collaboration relationship. Yeah, amazing. So now onto the International Children's Peace Prize. Um, how did you feel when you found out you were in the top five? Well, as with like everything else, it's honestly a great feeling because mm -hmm. that just shows me how far my message has come. Mm -hmm. It shows me like it's I've gone from no media coverage in Canada about indigenous issues to being recognized by something so big and so you know powerful. So it's like it's there's almost like kind of no words to describe mm -hmm. that kind of feeling, but it's like. It's an amazing feeling knowing that I've I've made it that far and kind of like helped my people and helped, you know, kind of like my way of trying to make change and my way of trying mm -hmm. to like help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done amazing work, so it's amazing yeah. that that can be recognized yeah. and seen worldwide as mm -hmm. well. Um, and if you were to win the International Children's Peace Prize, how would that benefit your work? How would you take that forward with you? Well, that would honestly be like again a great a great a very great thing for me and my my people my advocacy in, in this country and it would just give like it would just give me the hope that there is going to be change and that there is change that's happening because again we're being like I'm getting these issues recognized and it's a part of the conversation we're talking about it now and that's how you know change is going to happen because we can't just sit there and just listen to it you have to like once it's talked about you have to do something about it yeah so just like I feel like that would be great because it would like kind of like start the conversation a little bit more than it is. So. Yeah, amazing. And you're 17, nearly 18 now. So what are your next steps? What do you hope to do in the future in your advocacy and in general? What are your hopes? Well, right now I'm studying Indigenous Studies at college in Canada. And but my kind of like end, my future career goals are going to be into politics and law because I do hope to kind of like one day be in a position where I can actually make change and have like an actual say. So that's kind of my goal. But within the far future, like with like with my career goal, I hope to be able to kind of like help indigenous communities firsthand because, you know, in being in a political role, I do plan on going into indigenous politics. Mm -hmm. So kind of having one of those positions would help me have a good a good and better say in decisions that are being made within First Nations communities in Canada. So like with that, like I hope to like one day work harder to like a solution where you you know communities aren't struggling for 30 years going without clean drinking water and if you have any advice to people who are starting out people like you who are young change makers in their own communities maybe on a very small level what would you say is the number one advice that you could give them how can they start well i think 
for people who may already be doing these these types of things or kind of having you know being an activist or starting out to be an activist i find that it's very very important to have a balance between your work and your mental health because there you know i started young not knowing everything and there was a point in my career where again i felt like giving up and i felt like stopping everything i was doing because i didn't realize and know that i needed that like balance between mental health and the stuff that i was doing and especially facing, you know, doing this work, you're in the public eye, there's always going to be negative people, people with negative things to say. You know, there was a point where bullying was so bad for me, and that's why I wanted to give up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you need to find things that you enjoy doing, you know, besides the very, very important stuff that we, we, we're talking about, we're doing, we need to find the balance of other things that we enjoy doing at the same time. Yeah. Like, I found, I found enjoyment in working out, hanging out with my friends, you know, just simply spending time with my family or playing with my pet. I have a cat. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you need to find things that you enjoy doing on the side. But I think a lot of it is mental mm -hmm. and you do need to kind of like have that mental balance within yourself as well, because you need to be able to like, kind of like tell yourself, no, we don't put your energy into this. Yeah. You need to be able to say no because you don't have to do everything you can say no no saying no is very important and yeah just kind of finding a healthy balance in between the both but when it comes to bullying that's a very big part of the work mm -hmm. that i do and negative people again just kind of being careful what you put your energy into because and being careful who you surround yourself with yes. peers are very important and that's something that i learned on my journey and yeah just having good friends having good people and good supports and how did you overcome things like the bullying or uh, focusing on your mental health? How did you overcome them personally? Well, it, it was really kind of um, just spending time with my mom and mm -hmm. spending time with my the people that I trust. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to tell somebody that it's happening because that's what I did. I hid, I hid it from my mom for a very long time because I was scared. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, being able to have that person you can talk to, whether it's like your mom, your, your sibling, auntie, your uncle, cousin, you know, you need to be able to tell somebody and yeah. talk about it because talking about it's very important. So that's what I did. I told somebody it was happening, you know, and helped me get, helped me get over it and get stronger. And that, you know, it took a lot for me to be where I am today. Even though I'm only 17 years old, turning 18 very soon, I've been qu through quite a lot when it comes mm -hmm. to bullying, so yeah. Yeah. Well, despite everything that you've been through, you do amazing, amazing work. Mm -hmm. So you should be super proud of that. Um, so thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been a great conversation and I'm sure that our listeners have learned so much from you. Um, so stay tuned for another episode of Youth Talks. It'll be coming soon.